Today, kids, we bring you the story of one of the greatest ruse in history and tales of the first internet mystery and the story of a man who loves the military a little too much. Those stories and more are coming up on this episode, which starts now. You're listening to the Mr. Cemetery Show, the podcast that's dedicated to the dark corners of the world. From weird news to historical oddities and the unexplained mysteries, here's your host, Mr. Cemetery. Hello and welcome to the show, you sick, twisted freaks. This is the Mr. Cemetery Show. I am Josh. And I'm Krista. And we appreciate you joining us here today. If you're new here, this is the show where we bring you all the weird and unexplained creepy fun stuff that you need in your life. So welcome. Good morning, Krista. Hello. How are you? Hello. We're at this again, huh? Hey. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right now. You sure? Yeah. Is I can was, move. Because you couldn't move this morning. Nah. It was all bad. I almost had to do this from the floor. Yeah, we really did. <laughs> she was a little, a little messed up. More than usual. So. A little bit. Glad you're doing better. Yeah. I'd also like to remind everyone that Cards Against Humanity bought an island in Maine to preserve wildlife. It is called Hawaii 2. <laughs> the island has always been known as Birch Island before Cards Against Humanity came along and renamed it. Google Maps wasted no time in updating the area. But the local government did not immediately accept the new name, and two years later, it is still unknown whether it is registered as being called Hawaii 2. That's <laughs> awesome. That's great. <laughs> we need Hawaii 2. Cards Against Humanity was fun. It really is. <laughs> I love it. Krista, did you know on December 31st, 1911, Marie Curie, or Madame Curie, receives her second Nobel Prize, this time in chemistry, for her work in radioactivity? I did not. Yep, sure did. She's the only person to win a Nobel Prize in two different sciences. Mm. Yeah. And in 1966, the monkey's I'm a Believer hits number one and stays there for seven weeks. And now the song's going to be stuck in your head. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and in 1990, Iraq begins a military draft of 17-year-olds. Yeah. We lost Wayne Rogers, the actor who played Trapper John in MASH. He died of complications of pneumonia at the age of 82. Oh. Yeah. And one year later, in 2016, William Christopher, who played Father McCahey, also on MASH, he died of lung cancer at the age of 84. I like that show. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird they died exactly one yeah. year apart. MASH is awesome. <laughs> I don't like no MASH. Yeah, it's a good show. I hated it when I was younger. That meant cartoons were off the air. That's true. Yeah. It came on at like noon. Pissed me off. I know. Well, where I grew up, it was kind of in the afternoon, so... Yeah. It might have came on earlier, too. I just remember that was Grandpa's show, and I remember watching MASH with Grandpa. Yeah. I think, in fact, I think it was Three's Company and then MASH. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I didn't watch it just because cartoons were off and that helicopter when it came through. I was like, oh, I hate this show. <laughs> Cartoon. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. If you have a personal, haunted, spooky, or just plain weird story you would like to share with us, Send your personal stories to the Mr. Cemetery Show at gmail.com. There's a link in the show notes as well as links to all of our sponsors. So please check out all of that. That's what time it is. It's time to turn it over to some weird news. Bob 
bomb squad called after man lodges World War II anti-tank round in his bum bum. That doesn't go there. No. The phrase shell shock took on a new meaning for a man in England. He managed to lodge a two-inch wide World War II anti-tank shell in his rectum. The rectum's owner, who understandingly chose to remain anonymous, told medical staff that the 57mm round part of the man's World War II memorabilia collection became embedded inside his anus after he slipped and fell. <laughs> yes. He just slipped and fell on slipped it. Slipped and fell. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> A bomb squad was called to the hospital to ensure the ammunition was not in danger of detonating within the individual's personal hurt locker. <laughs> <laughs> By the time the bomb squad arrived, doctors had already removed the shell. It was basically just a lump of metal, so there was no risk to life. At least, not to anyone else's, a spokesperson told The Sun, adding that the round was no longer active. The man was in considerable amount of pain, another source said. The patient, who is expected to make a full physical recovery, mentally recovery, well, that's a story for another day. I got a stranger to yell, Armageddon. <laughs> I so forgot about that. <laughs> I guess I got so many questions here. <laughs> I do and I don't. So he slipped and fell. Was he not wearing pants around his uh, military stuff? I guess you got to polish your military ammunition naked. In the buff. I don't know. I don't know. Um, what the hell? <laughs> Gotta love some weird news. Mm -hmm. The Mr. Cemetery Show will return after these messages. Too scared to sleep? Then get some coffee. Check out our haunting friends over at Sinister Coffee and Creamery. They have the perfect coffee to help you stay awake. Whether you're looking for whole beans, ground, or organic coffee pods, Sinister Coffee and Creamery has you covered. Their beans are prepared in small batches to ensure a gourmet roast that will have you screaming for more. Check them out at SinisterCoffeeandCreamery.com and use our special discount code CEMETERY10 to save 10% off your order. Again, that's SinisterCoffeeandCreamery.com. Use discount code CEMETERY10 to save 10% off your order. Are you in the spine-tingling crime stories? The Krista McKibben's Hatchet Man book is for you. It's a chilling tale set in the 1800s about one of America's earliest serial killers whose disturbing crimes occurred in both Ohio and Maryland. The book also includes a full trial and confession as told by the Baltimore Sun. Hatchet Man by Krista McKibben is available on paperback and Kindle, only at Amazon.com. Do you like gothic home decor? Then check out Spooky Cookie's Estee Shop, take a journey into the old haunted library with a book of spell soy wax melt, or try the Lavender Skull Soy Candle, which is clean burning, ideal for people with allergies or respiratory issues. And there's so much more, from original spooky vinyl stickers to graveyard photography. So check out Spooky Cookie's Estee Shop today. There's a link in the show notes of this episode. Now, back to the Mr. Cemetery Show. And we're back. Hey, if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and give us a rate and review over on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate it. I go first, don't I? Crap. Yep. Crap on a cracker Thursday. Ain't even Thursday. Ain't even Thursday. Shit, it's a bad day, apparently. <laughs> My old timers is showing. Today's story is about 
A little mermaid. Mm. Not that little mermaid. Mm. Sheesh. Mermaids, whether they are depicted as symbols of beauty or harbingers of doom that led boats astray, they have fascinated mankind for centuries. This is probably the reason why in 1822, a sea captain from America named Samuel Eads was willing to steal $6,000 of his ship's money to buy what he believed to be a real mermaid specimen from Japanese sailors. In 1822, $6,000 was worth about as much as $140,000 today. So you think what Eads was bought was probably worth it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eads had been swindled by the Japanese sailors who actually sold him a hybrid specimen that had an upper body of an orangutan sewn on a large salmon. Eads took the thing to London where he had it displayed, but he never recouped the money that he spent on it. He believed the mermaid was real and left it to his son after his death. His son sold it to the Boston Museum in 1842, and shortly thereafter, the mermaid caught the attention of none other than P.T. Barnum, the creator of Barnum and Bailey's Circus, and the famous proprietor of Curiosity's sideshow attractions and hoaxes. Barnum, who was the master of generating public interest, fooled newspapers with fake letters alluding to a mysterious Dr. Griffith, who allegedly caught a mermaid off the South America coast. The doctor wished to keep the mermaid a secret, showing it only to a select few. In reality, Dr. Griffith was Levi Lyman, an associate of Barnum, and the story about the doctor was a ruse to spark the word mouth and interest in the mermaid. I guess you could say it was like a 19th century viral marketing plan. Way to go, guy. (laughs) Newspapers also ran ads for an expedition coming up. Some of the ads had beautiful sea maidens that seemed to pluck straight out of a fairy tale, like the little mermaid. Aww. Yes. Aww. It's obvious that Barnum had no hang-ups about false advertising. The expedition took place in New York and was a monument success. The mermaid went on to tour the American South, where it was less successful. Barnum eventually moved on to endeavors. Unfortunately, in 1860s, the mermaid is believed to have been destroyed when Barnum's entire collection caught fire. But by this point, the concept of the Fiji mermaid had been so popular that copycats had been sprouted in sideshows and curiosity shops all over the world. That's my story. What you think about the Fiji mermaid? Very funny. Yeah. It's kind of like the Piltdown man. Yeah. 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 Fake. Fake. Bullshit's yeah. real. <laughs> they sew these things together or just make stuff up. It kind of sucks because you can't trust nothing now. If, yeah. If you find something weird, it's hard to trust things. It's true. Too many things are faked. You know, you never know. Yeah. Like me, I'm not real. I'm a figment of your imagination. Freaking nightmare. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Dang. Ouch. Ouch. I don't know. This guy stole a bunch of money, though. Holy crap. I'll tell you what, though. Yeah, Jap- somebody got rich. Japanese sailors are like, <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. It is crazy. Well, that's my short little story for today. What story do you have for us today? The internet's oldest and weirdest mystery that'd be me that's true you may predate this one mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of yoink this story from coolinterestingstuff.com yoink oink yoink rolls right off the tongue though don't it? it's a long dot com um <clears throat> this is known as the the story's known as the markovian parallax denigrate i like dinner I don't think it's anything like dinner. Aww. It's been called the Internet's Oldest and Weirdest Mystery, 
And it all started with a series of enigmatic early internet posts from the mid-1990s, the full meaning of which remains unsolved over 20 years later. In this crazy early internet world, there used to exist an internet community called Usenet. It was, in essence, a chat forum, and it behaved exactly like all internet chat forums do. Operating like a bulletin board or forum does today, Usenet allowed users to communicate by posing chronologically ordered messages, and not unlike the forums of today, it had problems with spam. The first major spamming incident in the history of the internet occurred in 1994 when a pair of lawyers blasted thousands of Usenet users with unbidden ads for their immigration law services. But when the mysterious Markovian parallax denigrate messages began, there were some good reasons to wonder if they were something more than spam. Hundreds of posts titled Markovian Parallax Denigrate flooded the forum. The contents of each initially appeared to be gibberish, but they kept coming until one user stated it reached an almost transcendent level of bizarre. Many of the early internet adopters were of the scientific mind given that the internet was not accessible as it is now, and they were hugely intrigued by these strange posts that looked like they were written in some type of code. Yet no one managed to work out what the messages meant. With no answers forthcoming, the event was all but forgotten until 2006 when a Wikipedia page concerning the event breathed new life into the mystery. A new generation of internet sleuths tried to crack the mystery, but they all failed too. Today, only one message with a subject line that reads Markovian Parallax Denigrate still exists in Google's archives. This message is, this is what the message says. It's completely cuckoo. Jitterbugging McKinley, a break. Newtonian inferring call update Cohen air collaborate rue sports writing Rococo invocate tussle shadflower Debbie Sterling pathogenesis escritore that I don't, I don't know that word adventurous novo itt most chairperson Dwight Herzog different pinpoint dunk McKinley pendant Firelight, Uranus, <laughs> Episodic, Medicine, Diddy, Craggy, Flogging, Variac, Brotherhood, Web, Impromptu, File, Countenance, Inheritance, Cohesion, Refrigerate, Morphine, Napkin, Inland, Janeiro, Nameable, Yearbook, Arc. And here's where it gets even weirder. <laughs> it's weirder than that. <laughs> the name on the sender's email, Susan Lindauer, is a former journalist who was arrested in 2004 after allegedly serving as an agent of Saddam Hussein's government. No one has ever gotten to the bottom of it. The end. <laughs> Maybe it was a Nigerian prince. Could have been a Nigerian prince. Maybe they were, that's how they were first working out. Yeah. To send their messages. It all makes sense. <laughs> it's I don't, weird. I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess they were all, like, that's only one message. So they were all kind of like that, just random words, what it looks like to me. Yeah. Strange. <laughs> but it was blasted all over. Just what words can I just throw together? And Yeah. I would type in chicken butt, butt, cheese, fart, fart, fart. Yeah. These words are like extremely random, though. Like yeah. some of the stuff that they threw in there is. I don't know. I'm going with Nigerian Prince helped out. Could have been. Yes. What do you think? I, mean, I have no idea what this is said it came from a person that was an agent of Saddam Hussein. I mean, but I don't know why. It must be some kind of code. It has got to be something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just like maybe Saddam Hussein's like, let's mess with the Americans like this. That'll really get them thinking. 
Could be. <laughs> We're just going to screw with them. We're just going to throw this out there and I don't I, know. That could be. Yeah. I could, I could see myself doing shit like that. Just do something weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's going to wrap up this quick episode and this year of the Mr. Cemetery Show. Thanks for joining us here. Hope you enjoyed this show. Tell your friends, your family about this podcast and share it on social media. It helps the podcast grow. We'd appreciate it so much. If you want to help support the podcast, become a funeral friend. For only $5 a month, you get access to behind-the-scenes content, signed photos of Mr. Cemetery's great photography, and so much more content that we can't post on social media. So head on over and check that out at flow.page forward slash Mr. Cemetery. Until next time, I'm Josh. And I'm Krista. Thanks for listening to the Mr. Cemetery Show. Remember, kids, stay creepy. See ya!